This recording is for the Kayvon Tunisian Teleconference for the Atlantic Council of the U.S., scheduled for Tuesday, April 19, 2016, at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. Excuse me, everyone. We now have Mr. Bay Pavel on the line to start the call. Please be aware that each of your lines is now in a listen-only mode. At the conclusion of the briefing, we will open the floor for questions. At that time, instructions will be provided on how to proceed to ask a question. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Pavel, who will be offering some introductory remarks and facilitate the discussion. Mr. Pavel, you may begin. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. Um, I think it's a very expert group uh, that we have on the line, so we won't do too much theme setting. Today's call is part of the Atlantic Council's members' conference call series, which provides members from around the world an exclusive opportunity to speak directly with with the work uh, and expertise of the Council. Uh, please note that the call today is on the record and being recorded and will be distributed with members um, unable to join uh, right now. I want to thank uh, Zal, Ambassador Zal Khalizad, who's President in, uh, of Griffin Partners and Board Director and has a, a best-selling new book out, which he can mention. Uh, I also want to thank Ali Tulba, who's Managing Director of McClarty associates uh, in particular for um, for um, agreeing to provide introductory thoughts. Uh, I think most of you know that President Obama is set to meet with Gulf Cooperation Council leaders at a summit meeting on Thursday. He'll have a bilat on Wednesday with the King of Saudi Arabia. Um, this is amid some, some recent tense exchanges in the press over the United States' relationship with the Gulf states and, of course, in the aftermath of the article that all of us have read, President Obama's interview with Jeffrey Goldberg, in which he suggested that Saudi Arabia and Iran share the region, and he called the Gulf partners, including, uh, in addition to the European allies, quote-unquote, free riders. Uh, this is amidst a growing trust deficit among the U.S. and GCC uh, that I think has grown in particular since the President's red line in August of 2013 regarding Syria's use of chemical weapons was not followed up. So the meeting agenda uh, for the summit is very wide-ranging in scope. It includes the state of progress on key deliverables, key commitments coming out of the Camp David summit, which was last May 2014, in which the parties agreed uh, and committed to uh, progress in a number of areas. The Atlantic Council has been tracking those areas in detail and talking to all of the governments involved about our assessments, and it's a mixed bag. There have been areas where progress has been made. There have been some areas where it's not as much as we'd like, and some areas where just nothing has been done at all. Uh, we've been told by administration officials that the agenda will include uh, following up on the old issues but also raising some new issues. The agenda for the summit itself on Thursday, uh, according to the White House, has been broken into three different sessions. One, on regional stability. Two, on defeating ISIS and Al-Qaeda and U.S. GCC counterterrorism cooperation. And the third, on Iran and regional security and collective efforts to prevent Iran's destabilizing actions across the region. Uh, the Scowcroft Center has been tracking all of this uh, under the title Beyond Riyadh, Breaking Down the USGCC Summit, where we are highlighting the, the most pressing issues, uh, ranging from uh, security to politics to energy and economic issues. 
working with other centers, of course, at the Atlantic Council, and the aim is to not just highlight issues for Thursday, but through the U.S. election season uh, and beyond. So as I said, uh, today's call is on the record, and I think with that uh, brief setting of the scene, I will turn to Ambassador Khalilzad for his initial thoughts. Zal? Well, thank you very much, uh, Barry. Uh, appreciate the plug for the book, uh, The Envoy. Uh, my expectations for the uh, uh, summit uh, is relatively low. It's going to be a summit of low expectations. Uh, uh, unless there is uh, an extraordinary development, uh, um, which I rule out uh, essentially, uh, which is a and the start of the negotiations for a binding uh, security agreement between the United States and the Gulf states, which the Gulf states have been seeking. And recently, Secretary Kerry has raised the idea of maybe a NATO to Gulf relationship. Uh, uh, the, the, the divide on priorities between uh, the United States and the uh, GCC states, particularly Saudi Arabia, the dominant regional power among the GCC, is such uh, that uh, a very little uh, uh, progress or change uh, will occur. Uh, the relationship has excellent mill-mill uh, relationship that have been progress since last year uh, on that score with uh, U.S. assistance to uh, several GCC states on uh, missile defense, uh, uh, on intelligence sharing, on the transfer of uh, uh, munitions, uh, and cooperation on uh, uh, counter-terror or, uh, or terror finance. But on geopolitical uh, relations that are the most important, uh, the gap between the two sides uh, remain, and there has been some drifting apart of the relationship uh, with uh, uh, the Saudis and others pursuing uh, their own agenda by by, the, by other means than uh, relying or going through or cooperating with the United States. And let me uh, talk about those uh, differences uh, for a few moments. First, on the, the biggest issue is the attitude towards Iran. Uh, the Saudis, in particular, see Iran uh, as a, the, the most uh, important security challenge to them and to the region, and they believe in uh, as a policy of countering Iran as a regional agenda. They also blame Iran or Iranian policies for the rise of uh, ISIS, uh, uh, because uh, they believe that the uh, Iranian support for groups that uh, do not respect or accommodate the rights of Sunnis, they've created extreme circumstances uh, in uh, both Iraq and Syria for the Sunnis, uh, and, and those extreme circumstances have been uh, uh, conducive to the rise of, 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 of ISIS. Uh, uh, the United States, uh, uh, um, uh, they believe, has been too accommodating towards Iran rather than isolating Iran, countering its regional policies. And, uh, they believe that the U.S. is seeking 
uh, not only as agreed to the, uh, in terms of an, the nuclear accord, but uh, but uh, uh, that the U.S. as uh, as uh, is seeking normalization of relations with Iran, engagement with Iran, uh, and sees uh, uh, Iran as a partner in countering ISIS. Uh, this fundamental issue about how to think about Iran uh, uh, as affected, as I said, uh, Saudi policy. Saudis have gone uh, to organize uh, uh, an Islamic Sunni alliance of their own to counter Iran. Uh, we saw the manifestation of that in the recent OIC summit in Istanbul, the Organization of Islamic Conference, where uh, an anti-Iran uh, 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 resolution was passed. Uh, similarly, uh, um, the uh, Saudis have been focused, along with the GCC allies, on Hezbollah, which has helped Iran in uh, Syria. Uh, this has changed Saudi policy towards Lebanon, where again there has been a different uh, difference in emphasis between the U.S. and uh, um, Iran, where. And the U.S. believed in continued support of uh, Lebanese institutions, such as the Lebanese army, while the Saudis uh, 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 discontinued the promised assistance of some $4 billion to build the Lebanese army because they argued that Hezbollah, uh, as they see the virtual arm of the of, uh, of Iranian Revolutionary Guard, is uh, dominant in that institution. Um, uh, uh, on Syria, the Saudis are preparing for the breakdown of the ceasefire uh, and uh, would like more support, uh, stronger support from the U.S. Uh, and others themselves for the opposition to Bashar. Uh, um, the U.S. has been emphasizing uh, continued uh, pressure to have the ceasefire continue and has been reluctant for a qualitative change in support uh, for the Syrian opposition. In Iraq, uh, uh, the U.S. is going to probably seek financial support from the GCC states for the uh, Abadi government, given its financial difficulties. Uh, but relations between uh, Iraq and, and, and uh, Saudi Arabia and GCC states while it has improved compared to the Maliki period of a couple of years ago, uh, nevertheless uh, remains problematic uh, because uh, uh, essentially uh, the GCC states see their central government in Baghdad as allied to Iran and Syria and Russia, and as I said, they are organizing a, a counter uh, coalition of their own, essentially made up of Islamic states. There has been progress on Yemen with, uh, with a ceasefire uh, and possible uh, 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 progress on a political settlement. Um, uh, the, the, the Saudis believe that their actions, although expensive, have been uh, helpful to countering the Houthis that have been supported uh, uh, by Iran and uh, raising the potential for a, for a political settlement. Uh, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Saudis and us are cooperating uh, against the Al-Qaeda in uh, the Arabian Peninsula, which has gained uh, more influence than sometimes in the past in that region. So our priorities uh, going there, 
would be to get uh, more support uh, with regard to uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda uh, to uh, reassure the Saudis and the GCC states that uh, we are focused uh, on the destabilizing uh, Iranian regional policies and to further strengthen uh, bilateral security agreement. Uh, I expect that the, the Saudis uh, would be polite. This may be a kind of farewell call also by President Obama. I don't think there will be another summit during his period, uh, but I think fundamentally uh, the concern that the GCC states have about the, 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 uh, the, the drifting apart of uh, the strategic level between uh, Saudi Arabia, GCC states, and the, the, the U.S. is likely to remain, and it may be uh, the task of the coming administration, depending on who it is, how to, uh, to whether and how to, uh, to, 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 to restore or strengthen that relationship strategically. That concludes you, my initial remarks. Thank you very much, Al. You've covered a lot of ground, and I'm going to want to go back to you on a, a couple of items. But first, let's hear from uh, Ali Tulba. Uh, as a reminder, he's Managing Director at McClarty Associates and was a senior official in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, Ali? Thank you, Barry, and uh, thanks for inviting us to, to be with you today. Uh, uh, Val's uh, overview was uh, both comprehensive um, and, uh, and insightful. Uh, covered most of the ground that I had intended to cover. So let me think of a, a, a few things I can I can add to that um, to um, to expand upon it. Uh, two things that Zal touched upon that I think are are, are worth expanding upon. Barry, um, you mentioned at the at the outset of the call the uh, list of agreed upon items from the Camp David summit. If you do an inventory, uh, you'll see that there's a, a mixed bag, uh, but you know there there are a few egregious um, uh, um, shortcomings of some of the the tactical items that were agreed upon um, if you're talking about the, the no cooperation as as Al was, was referring to c t cooperation some of the working groups uh some of the uh you know additional um, work towards uh, uh defense sales um, most of those uh, you know, most of those action items uh, either have progress or, or some good progress or some progress, or at minimum, uh, I don't hear from the Saudi leaders that I talk to uh, a, a great deal of, um, of grievance about the fact they've not been attended to. So you, you would wonder, um, if that's the case, why all of the, the discord uh, in the relationship? Um, and that's because when I, when I do talk to Gulf leaders, particularly the Saudis, uh, they reference the good progress that's being done, but of course they reference uh, uh, the the fact that they feel as though they are recipients of U.S. decisions um, and, and not involved in a at the strategic level, at the um, at, at the takeoffs and not just the landings. And so one of the primary things that was uh, that was an outcome of the Camp, Camp David summit was this agreement to start working towards a more strategic footing in a relationship, uh, which is the whole point of the President's involvement involvement here. Uh, 
I agree entirely uh, with Val that uh, that low expectations um, are the uh, uh, one should have low expectations of what's going to come out of this. That said, uh, the the very fact that that the president is taking place um, uh, that uh, he's taking part in uh, this dialogue with GCC leaders uh, that uh, he and the United States are establishing that precedent uh, is. Uh, a potentially significant development uh, that, uh, that that is worth uh, underscoring um, and and recognizing, particularly since uh, going forward, uh, it gives the the next president uh, the ability to take that baton and and continue uh, this new tradition. Um, because again, if you if you look at the, the nature of the grievances that have been aired. Uh, whether we're talking about Syria or Iran or Yemen or Bahrain or Arab Spring, um, what they all have in common uh, is just this inability for us uh, to get on the same page in terms of of uh, the the real strategy uh, being employed on these uh, various uh, uh, management of the geopolitical uh, uh, the, the relationships in in the region. Maybe the second thing. Uh, that, that I would add uh, is uh, the, the fact that uh, it's no secret that uh, the personal relationship uh, between this president uh, and, and some of the, the leaders in the GCC has, has been strained uh, most uh, famously uh, with the, um, uh, the leadership of Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have uh, a, uh, a, a system of government that has uh, many different, uh, obviously, facets and inputs uh, and, and voices uh, that uh, go through a policy formulation process and yield an outcome. So uh, it is, um, uh, you know, I find myself explaining to Gulf colleagues that, well, just because the president said X, Y, or Z in uh, an interview with the Atlantic doesn't necessarily mean that that is actually what U.S. policy is, um, and try to you know, explain the, the, the policy process. That is difficult for uh, Gulf audiences, particularly in an absolute monarchy, to understand where uh, the, the king essentially sets that policy. Um, and um, uh, not only do people uh, implement that and fall in line, but from a, from a cultural perspective, I mean corporate culture, they also generally tend to absorb a lot of that um, a, a lot of that attitude. The reason I mention all this is because it just underscores how deeply important the personal relationships are at the leader level. Um, and this is uh, a great opportunity for uh, the president to at least uh, try and bridge that gap somewhat. I know it's uh, a lot of uh, style and, and not necessarily substance, and the substance is deeply important. But the style is important as well. I think uh, there's probably a limited amount that can be done here, um, but the extent to which uh, that the, uh, some of the discord that I referred to earlier uh, can be uh, addressed um, or at least um, uh, bridged in a way that uh, creates uh, an opportunity for the next president uh, to be able to uh, not only deliver, uh, 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 help <coughs> uh, advance the strategic level of the relationship uh, with those countries, and not only um, uh, uh, work on the very difficult geopolitical gaps that Zhao talked about, 
but also to some extent just uh, uh, reset the personal nature of the of the relationship at the leaders level. That's that's another very important thing that can uh, potentially uh, have some progress made in the coming days. Thanks very much, Ali. Um, I, th- I think both you and Zhao raised. Let me ask a couple of questions, and then we'll open it up for um, audience, and we'll have instructions shortly. But let me start with a couple of questions. I think both you and and Zhao raised the right issue, which is the geopolitical, the strategic. And let me just sort of cut to the chase. I mean, I don't normally think that um, press interviews are the stuff of geopolitics, but this Goldberg interview by a sitting president um, was extremely important, I think, in the context of years of um, uh, recent years of concerns among leaders that, that the President of the United States was not personally invested in the relationship that other officials doing uh, U.S. business we're approaching that business in a somewhat transactional nature, and I think it all comes down to do, the, do they think the U.S. has their back or not when the chips are down? I mean, it's, a, it's not a question of U.S. capability uh, to help with security commitments, but of, of the will, and, and it's of the will of this administration and this president. So if, if both of you could address that question in a little more detail, um, and is it too late for the Obama administration to make up for this uh, trust deficit, and in particular for the president's very clear comment to, in his Goldberg interview that he, he doesn't think that these allies are real allies uh, and that uh, the Saudi Arabia and Iran should share the region and get over it? Well, if I could start first, uh, the... Uh uh, interview was quite damaging, obviously, not only to uh, uh, in this region, but more broadly. There was obviously criticism of our allies around the world, in, in, including in Europe. And I wish uh, the president had waited until uh, he wrote his memoirs, like I have done, writing memoirs and saying some things I uh, uh, would not have said, did not say when I was in office. But... Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, I think the dra- transactional nature of the thinking of the president uh, extends beyond uh, the Gulf uh, and many other areas. That seems to be the framework of how how he thinks. Uh, 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 but it was quite damaging uh, in this region. Uh, I don't know to what extent it was appreciated uh, at the time that it was said that uh, by saying uh, two things, uh, one, that uh, actually true, that uh, what the president said, that the conflicts of the region, there is an element of proxy war uh, that uh, Saudis and Iranians are supporting uh, groups that are fighting each other. That's factually true. But what was, what was damaging is that here is... Uh, one country that sees itself as a long-term U.S. ally and partner, Saudi Arabia, and the other one being Iran, uh, kind of an adversary, uh, an enemy of, of, of uh, Saudi Arabia, but also perceived to be of the United States, and they were equated because the Saudis see their actions as a response to an aggressive uh, Iranian regional policy aimed at hegemony 
uh, whether you look at it in, uh, in Syria or Iraq, uh, where the Saudis believe they've, they, they could acquiesce or have acquiesced by sending an ambassador to Iraq to recognize and that the uh, Shia majority have the preeminent role in governing Iraq. But in the case of Syria, uh, uh, the um, majority being Sunni Arabs, Iran is insisting there uh, to, uh, to uh, have this minority Alawite uh, regime continue, not recognizing the right of the majority there, and therefore uh, their response or their action is in response to what they see as the unjust, uh, aggressive Iranian policy. So that was damaging to the U.S. The president was equating an ally and a partner who was counterpunching, as they see it, perhaps beginning to, uh, uh, to, to uh, counterpunch, in their view, more effectively uh, because the U.S. wasn't doing anything, so they had to act uh, with, an, uh, with, uh, with the adversary that they see the source of the problem. And uh, uh, the, the issue of free ridership, of course, in all alliances, we have had this issue. Very could talk about that, whether in Asia or in Europe. So that's always an issue. But the Saudis do feel that that they have contributed to U.S. policies financially and otherwise across decades. You know. Uh, going to uh, from uh, from uh, Afghanistan in the 1980s to uh, where we had equal shares in terms of financial burden to uh, uh, support for some of the other regional states uh, uh, in the area and perhaps even beyond. So this uh, this uh, uh, the president's uh, statement uh, did have a big effect. I don't believe that that the personal. Uh, kind of concern about where this president is uh, uh, on uh, Saudi priorities, looking after Saudi strategic interests is going to be is going to change in the coming period, the months that have remained. Uh, uh, and I think it will uh, be the task of the next president, depending on uh, the priorities, uh, what to do. The only uh, uh, circumstance that I don't foresee during this uh, summit is this idea should negotiations begin uh, to uh, on a bilateral binding security agreement if the president initiates that 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 could uh, reduce the chasm uh, strategically between the two sides but as I said that's unlikely and the idea that has been put forward by Secretary Kerry um, is this NATO to the Gulf uh, discussion but there is something we haven't talked about that could further damage the relationship and that is the issue of this uh, potential law that could uh, could uh, make the Saudis uh, uh, subject to being sued in, in US courts uh, for for the damage done during 9/11, if if uh, if uh, a link established with Saudi officials, so if uh, that is a kind of potential five hundred pound gorilla in the room that could further damage the relationship. 
Yeah, let me um, let me add to that um, and and come to the the same uh, the same conclusion. But um, uh, I think the Atlantic interview is uh, it's helpful to view it in in kind of courses. Uh, just the the general history of uh, outside powers uh, providing the central uh, principles of organization um, and security for for the region, uh, whether it was the Ottomans uh, or the Brits uh, or <clears throat> uh, the United States over the last many decades, uh, the the leaders in the region are generally uh, used to uh, folks other than the, than themselves being the primary uh, dictators of, of events. Uh, number two, uh, as a result of uh, U.S. dominance in the region over the last many decades and just uh, the, um, the, the, well, the, the somewhat unipolar uh, world, uh, not to get into that debate, uh, that, that, we, that we live in with the um, U.S. leading the, 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 global, uh, the global order, there is incredible belief in the competency of the United States uh, that that we have uh, a, a, a very clear strategy for what we do, that what we do has um, a, a well-thought-through intentionality behind it, that we don't do things by accident, we don't make mistakes. So when the uh, leaders in the Gulf look at some of our recent activities, um, they don't say, well, they don't tend to say the United States uh, clearly has not achieved its, its intended outcome there. Uh, they generally look and they say, ah, we must have misunderstood what the outcome was. Uh, for example, uh, uh, the uh, Green Movement in, in Iran, well, the United States uh, didn't support uh, the Green Movement in, uh, in Iran as much as they did. Uh, some of the folks in Tahrir or elsewhere during the Arab Spring there must be a reason for that. I mean, um, if um, uh, the United States uh, uh, seemed to uh, support uh, uh, Morsi and the, Muslim, and the Muslim Brotherhood in, in Egypt uh, over, this is I'm speaking, our friend and ally uh, Mubarak or the, um, uh, the more secular regime, there must be a strategy behind that. The reason I say that is because the 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 um, uh, the product of those two um, uh, dimensions is a real head scratching as to what U.S. true intentions are. I think we are pretty clear about what those intentions are, and we're pretty clear about uh, about the um, uh, what, what outcomes we are pursuing. And uh, when we do not achieve those outcomes, we have shortcomings. It's just that it's difficult to actually. Um, bring some of our Gulf friends around uh, to understanding how we kind of got from A to B, and as a result, there's an ongoing skepticism, uh, 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 even in, intens uh, intensified in light of the JCPOA um, and trying to uh, bring Iran back into the international order over the course of time. If you add the third component, which is the personal break that Zhao and I have been talking to, um, the, the Atlantic article um, is almost this moment of truth-telling uh, to Gulf audiences, uh, where the, uh, the the curtain has been pulled back and the wizard has shown what's actually going on. And the truth is, uh, there's uh, some amount of disdain for 
the, for the free riders um, and for uh, the Gulf as uh, as a partner as they wish to be, um, and that the real agenda, uh, when uh, described very crudely in the article, which was uh, just uh, Iran and Saudi need to share the region, um, they look and they say, "Aha! This is really what the thinking is in Washington. Uh, what we're hearing from the people that come visit us in Riyadh." Uh, is, is not actually the case. Um, I understand, um, obviously, the, the, the frustrations that sometimes work their way into the relationship as we continue to work together. Um, <clears throat> but uh, bottom line is, uh, as, as Zal said, I thought uh, that the, uh, the president's decision to air some of those grievances in a very undiplomatic uh, fashion uh, in uh, a fairly raw form in the um, in the, uh, the article in the Atlantic was uh, was very unhelpful. Thanks very much. And I think at this time I'm, I'm going to ask the operator to offer instructions for um, how participants can um, can raise questions. Yes, sir. Thank you. At this time we we will be opening the line to questions. If you would like to ask a question, please press the star key followed by the one key on your touchtone phone now. Questions will be taken in the order in which they are received. Please be sure to introduce yourself when asking a question. If at any time you would like to remove yourself from the questioning queue, please press star 2. Great. Well, we already have um, uh, one question, and that's from Rosalind Jordan of Al Jazeera English. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for doing the call. Um, I am reminded of an expression from a certain presidential candidate who famously said, what difference does it make? And I ask that in regards to these, this idea that there has to be a personal relationship between the U.S. president and the Saudi leadership in particular and with Mideast leaders uh, in general. U.S. presidents, as we all know, are term limited. At most, they get eight years in office. And it seems to me that while a president is getting settled in the job, that trying to build personal relationships is going to be a really tall order. Is it incumbent then upon leaders in the Mideast, whether in Saudi Arabia or in Lebanon or in Egypt or elsewhere, to actually expand their contact with those in the U.S. body politic who may one day either be a senior senator or a U.S. president. And I'd be uh, curious to hear your thoughts about what's the long-term relationship building strategy for Mideast leaders. Thank you. Great. Val or Ali, do you have a thought on that? Well, on the... Uh Personal relationship, I think, particularly are important uh, uh, for the uh, Gulf leaders, uh, more with some than others, because uh, during my period of time in dealing with the Gulf, there have been several kings of Saudi Arabia uh, in power, and they've had their own uh, different styles of, uh, of building personal relationships, uh, some maintaining uh, uh, a lot of contact through phone calls, uh, others not, not preferring to talk on the phone. Uh, 
But I think uh, uh, that uh, in uh, regions where you have a lot of interest and things uh, tend to happen, uh, uh, personal relationship, uh, relationship of trust between leaders are, are, are extremely important. I think uh, President Obama, as, uh, as we know, this is not uh, a strong suit, uh, hasn't been at home in terms of schmoozing with uh, political leaders, spending time outside the official discussions with them. Uh, but uh, 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 I think uh, in this case, in the case of the Gulf, there has been, yes, uh, personal issues, but there are real serious uh, policy differences uh, that, uh, that are more important in shaping what's going on than, uh, than, the, uh, than the absence of the intensity of personal relationship uh, between them. Now, going forward, if I was advising a Gulf, Gulf countries in terms of building relationships in the U.S., of course, uh, 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 what you suggest uh, to build a broader set of relationships rather than waiting for who the president is and then building a relationship with that president, uh, that, that obviously would be a prudent approach for anyone dealing uh, with the United States to have a broader set of relationships, in, uh, including with Congress, which uh, which plays an important role. So what you're suggesting, that makes sense. But I think in, the, in this particular case, we are at a time uh, where there is real substantive differences of opinion, and, and that is decisive. Yeah, and if I can just add uh, uh, one thing to that, I think uh, the, the, the point that there are, are these deeply substantive differences um, uh, that, that are driving the discord, I think, is uh, is the key point. Uh, the personal relationships just uh, allow a, an overlay of of understanding and and stability uh, to those uh, to those differences. But uh, Rosalind, just one additional thing to to add, uh, it would uh, it would make me very happy to hear my Gulf uh, friends uh, say to me uh, that the that the American president said X, Y, or Z. Um, but we're going to take that in stride because we've got such good relationships uh, with uh, members of the cabinet and uh, and members of the uh, the House and the Senate. <laughs> so uh, we'll t we'll we'll put it in its proper context. Uh, I've I've not had that conversation, and I think it's likely because uh, the um, uh, the system of of, uh, of government and and uh, the way that politics works into that system and the the, the uh, idea of, of civil civil service and the devolution of power is uh, still uh, evolving in in the Gulf, um, and there are certainly some uh, officials uh, I think that uh, understand um, and have taken to heart. I think the point that, that you're that you're making that uh, uh, a variety of, of relationships in uh, in the various parts of the uh, American political system uh, create a more resilient relationship. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, think of uh, uh, Ambassador Yusuf al Taiba in uh, UAE, uh, Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Nayef, uh, who has worked closely uh, with uh, our security and counterterrorism officials for uh, for years. Uh, I think that uh, those are two good examples of, of officials that have uh, very robust relationships. Um, but uh, I believe that that's still a, a work in progress uh, as uh, a uh, region of the world where. Um, uh, uh, power is, uh, is is usually 
uh, centered at the top. Um, and as, uh, again, we're moving into a world where uh, that uh, authority uh, is devolved into um, uh, the senior official rank. Um, as long as, uh, as we're still uh, in the midst of that transition, I think that um, seeing the, the wisdom of having that variety of relationships uh, is, uh, like I said, still a work in progress. Thanks very much to both of you. And next in the queue, we have Farhad uh, Azima. Thank you. This is a question for, the, for Ambassador Khalidza. Mr. Ambassador, you mentioned about the sharing of the financial burden of the fight beside your nineties. Where was the significant contribution by the region that you could uh, point out, please? My Saudi specifically that you mentioned. Yes. Well, and uh, what I was referring to, uh, thank you, uh, what I was referring to was uh, that during the war against the Soviets in Afghanistan, uh, 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 the, in the Indeed. 1980s, uh, the Saudis essentially paid 50% of the cost of supporting the Afghans against the Soviets. And if you look at the 1990s, uh, uh, 80 then uh, early uh, 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 90s, the, the Saudis did support the financially uh, uh, strategy that we also favor that Iraq should not lose the war, the Iran-Iraq war, and supported uh, financially and otherwise uh, Iraq when it was under pressure uh, from Iran. And uh, that during Desert Shield and Desert Storm, uh, the, um, the Saudis uh, did uh, contribute uh, not only troops, uh, but also uh, financially. In fact, that shield doesn't storm. At that time, I was in charge of the policy planning in the Defense Department. I think uh, that was the best example of good burden sharing that occurred uh, in recent memory, where I think the cost of the United States financially was uh, uh, relatively small. Some even have uh, uh, said that we we came out uh, and, uh, uh, relatively well because with Operation Tin Cup, uh, raising quite a considerable amount of money from the region uh, and, uh, and around the world to cover the cost. So there have been examples in major situations where uh, where uh, they feel they did contribute. We obviously always would like allies to do more. I think. It's, Legitimately so, uh, and and this this is an issue not only in the Gulf but around the world. So, uh, but there have been examples of of uh, equitable, if you like, burden sharing that have occurred uh, with this region at times in the past. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Great. Thanks very much. And we have Trudy Rubin of the Philadelphia Inquirer next in the queue. Thanks. Uh, thanks to both of you for doing this. Um, a couple of questions. Uh, you mentioned that the Saudis uh, think that the Syrian peace talks are on the verge of failing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if you could imagine the conversations that are going to go on between um, 
President Obama and the King on this. Um, and what you think the Saudis will do if these talks fail, because our paths definitely seem to be diverging on um, uh, what the U.S. is going to do and what the Saudis want us to do. And the other thing I wanted to ask you is, can you imagine at this point in time uh, that under the next president, the alliance with the Saudis really could fall apart, especially if a Republican, one of the two leading Republican candidates were chosen, um, and especially because public opinion in this country is really souring on the Saudis, uh, given uh, the spread of Wahhabi education in the Muslim world thanks to their funds, and given to their support often of the wrong groups in places like Syria. Well, on the uh, Syria discussion, my judgment is that the Saudis believe that the Iranians are, are uh, uh, pouring more help uh, in there, uh, particularly to bring about the, uh, the defeat uh, of uh, opposition forces in Aleppo, that the goal is to take over Aleppo by the regime, uh, and that uh, uh, they probably will present that case uh, of what the Iranians are doing in and around Aleppo, uh, supporting the regime, uh, and, uh, uh, and that uh, should the ceasefire uh, falter uh, and, and, and end, which that's their, uh, that's their uh, prediction, their assessment, they would want uh, uh, to, uh, 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 to provide additional higher quality weapons uh, to uh, the uh, forces that are fighting the regime uh, that, that uh, they have relations with. I think they, they work very closely, the Saudis, with the Arab intelligence community, the, particularly the agency, there are several public reports that point to recommendations by the uh, 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 Saudi uh, and the CIA uh, as to what kind of weapons should have been provided uh, in recent periods and what, uh, what options there should be considered. And, and uh, uh, the president has not been sympathetic, has not approved those qualitative upgrades. Uh, 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 so. Uh, I suspect that uh, when there is a, uh, a serious discussion of, of Syria, which I, I think there will be one, that this, uh, this uh, uh, difference uh, will be highlighted uh, and, and the President has his own case to make and he didn't ask me to talk about that, but, uh, but uh, that's, that's my judgment on the, on the Syria front. You're right on this broader U.S.-Saudi issue that uh, this is going to, uh, in the age of Islamic extremism uh, and uh, terror associated with it, particularly coming uh, globally from more Sunni groups, uh, that, uh, that uh, and the Saudi history of support for Wahhabism, that this is going to be, uh, uh, no matter who is the president, uh, uh, it's going to be a, uh, remain a, a difficult relationship, uh, 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 but uh, having said that, uh, uh, um, uh, that, that uh, I think there is room for some 
improvement depending on who it is. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, and, and you've raised the issue of the, uh, if, the, if it's a Republican, uh, um, uh, it depends what they will do in office, uh, clearly. But, uh, but the basic point that you're making, that this relationship, given the nature of the world right now and what the, the threats perceptions are, this will remain uh, a, a, a more contentious issue. But on the other hand, as you know, in order to deal with these issues of extremism and terror, we need local partners uh, and we need the Saudis to play a, a, a positive contributing role and, and, and therefore uh, a strong relationship uh, uh, with, the, with the local allies and partners is not only a good thing in itself, it's needed in order to deal with the challenge that we're pointing out and and helping Saudis evolve supporting groups that uh, that uh, that uh, are extremists themselves. And um, uh, let me take the uh, the chance, uh, given your question about the conversations on uh, on the views on Syria, to make a plug for uh, the conversations for for views on Yemen, uh, only because I think that there's potentially a real opportunity during uh, the, this summit uh, to begin closing some of the gap um, uh, on the Yemen question. Um, one of the, the um, uh, gaps that we discussed uh, at, the, at the outset of the call, uh, we, have a, we have a ceasefire um, and we have uh, the you know, potential beginning of the end of the conflict, and I uh, say that. Uh, very guardedly, because I know that um, at the moment you make <clears throat> such a prediction, uh, you know, just give it a couple months and you'll be proven very wrong. Uh, but uh, you know, it is in the Saudis' uh, interest uh, to begin bringing this conflict to an end. Uh, it is to the, uh, in the Emiratis' interest, uh, given their uh, deep involvement there. Uh, it is in our interest not only for the conflict to come to an end, uh, but for the... Um, uh, for the Saudis and the Emiratis to have been seen as uh, playing uh, a, a, uh, a valuable role in, in bringing that uh, that political uh, end uh, in, into being. Uh, we're closer now than we've been in a very long time, uh, and I think there's going to be um, a, a real focus on working with the Saudis and the Emiratis uh, in the coming days and, and after uh, in trying to actually make this peace hold um, and, and bring some type of a political process uh, that, uh, that allows uh, a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the troops to go back to the barracks, and that will also make it a lot easier for um, for uh, Saudi and, and to some extent the Emiratis uh, to focus more than they have been on the Syria question. And then on your question about the, could the relationship fall apart in the, in the next election, you know, for all of the for all of the the, the friction and the bumps that come up. Um, uh, uh, from time to time, uh, the relationship is just too important for uh, us to, to really entertain uh, that big of a, of a fracture of the relationship. Uh, Saudi Arabia is a is a key ally in counterterrorism. They are a uh, a key ally in keeping global energy markets supplied. Uh, relations between them uh, and Israel have been improving, and we want to, of course. Uh, foster 
further improvements as much as is, as is practicable. Uh, so uh, it's, just, it's too valuable of a relationship to allow it uh, to, to fall. But you do note, um, and, and Zhao spoke about, um, uh, the differences uh, that we have in uh, their views of supporting uh, uh, people of a certain uh, uh, religious stripe um, and, and, um, and activity. Uh, not to be overly precise, but it's worth saying that there's, there's a bit of a difference between the, the support of, of groups uh, in theater who ultimately, as, you, as I think you pointed out, um, may be appealing at the outset, but uh, end up uh, being uh, more radical and objectionable than any of us would have, have liked, um, and ultimately are deleterious to, to our efforts. I think that the kind of information sharing and secured cooperation uh, that we have been embarking upon in the last year and is meant to be furthered by these summits and the task forces and working groups that follow, I think um, better cooperation, collaboration is going to be a product. Certainly that is our goal of these types of joint efforts. I think that gap is bridgeable. I believe we can, we can do that. Um, but the question of supporting uh, some of the more um, extreme elements uh, domestically inside of Saudi Arabia, uh, that's going to be more difficult. Um, and I think we're going to have more enduring differences in that regard, uh, simply because, uh, you know, even as recently as uh, three weeks ago when I was when I was in Saudi and speaking to, to some uh, officials about this very question, uh, I think that they still um, are firmly of the belief uh, that these are constituents of, of theirs uh, and they need to find ways to uh, continue to keep them uh, in the fold, so to speak, and, and, uh, and supportive politically, and that to uh, alienate them in some way would be simply just would have the product, the result of radicalizing them. Uh, so therefore, you see uh, some measure of accommodation of, and I don't mean violent extremists, I'm not saying that, I just mean the more um, uh, just theologically um, uh, uh, at, at, you know, at the end of the spectrum of, of theological thought, uh, they're still going to be more accommodating of that um, than, uh, than than we feel comfortable with, and I and I don't see that ending anytime uh, in the near future. Great, thank you, Ali. Um, my name is oh, oh, my name is Owen Daniels. Derek Cavell has stepped out for the last ten minutes. Ambassador Kulilzad, did you want to add something to that? Well, I think that uh, um, uh, Ali uh, made a, a, a good point. I think uh, strategically, however, uh, the nature of the conflict in the region is such the president is right that there is uh, an element of, of uh, proxy war to, uh, between Saudi Arabia, Iran, and I would add Turkey as a third uh, player, and uh, uh, an appropriate strategy for us uh, is uh, for the long-term stability uh, to uh, uh, in, uh, now counter Iran's uh, negative regional activity, but over the longer term uh, to uh, have some regulation of competition between these three powers. 
that's the only way that uh, long-term stability in this region can be achieved. And for us to have good relations with, uh, with uh, not only external relations with Saudi Arabia and Turkey, partners and allies, but to have increased relationship with Iran to be able to assist with this uh, regulation of, of competition. But, uh, but to get from here to there, uh, what is needed, in my view, is at uh, this point is countering Iran's uh, hegemonic behavior, particularly to get to a good settlement in Syria. And I think if one could get a good settlement in Syria uh, that reflects the will of the Syrian people and given the, the composition of the population, then I believe uh, you could uh, move to a dialogue between uh, Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Iran. Already the uh, Iranians and Turks are talking but eventually, I think uh, the, 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 the task for our diplomacy is how to shape developments and uh, to get to that uh, dialogue that includes Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey about the future architecture of the region and the, uh, and the mutual acceptance of Shia and Sunni and some arrangements for the, for the countries that are in contest. Excellent. Thank you. So we have time for one more question in our allotted time period here, and that will be from Paul Schinkman of U.S. News & World Report. Yeah, thanks very much for, uh, for doing the call. You talked a bit about arms sales between the U.S. and the region, and I'd like to ask you specifically about the sale of, of uh, uh, the F-18s to um, Qatar and Kuwait that was long delayed for months, and then it came out yesterday, I think, that we are, in fact, moving forward with those sales. Do you see that as indicative of any sort of shift in the concerns that the U.S. would have had previously about giving that kind of armament to, to those countries, or is this simply sort of some sort of hat-in-hand kind of gift basket going into this, into these meetings? Well, I would think that uh, some of us have a way of and making the bureaucracy uh, move uh, because the president wants to have deliverables and wants to have some obstacles that could affect the dialogue negatively out of the way and also to, to show progress on the commitments that have been made already. And there was a commitment made in, in the summit last year in Camp Davis in terms of expediting military support. Uh, and uh, interoperability between the U.S. and the GCC states. Uh, CENTCOM's relationship with the GCC states are excellent, and, uh, and I didn't know what specific weapon you were referring to because you broke up there, but uh, I know that both in terms of transfer of munitions, precision munitions, and in terms of missile defense, uh, hardware issues with, with Kuwait, UAE, Saudi Arabia, uh, with, whether it's pack trees or flats uh, that have been uh, 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 positive developments, uh, and uh, I think the military cooperation side is more positive uh, than uh, than the kind of geopolitical uh, uh, discussions. Uh, and the military to military relationship is much better and positive. Uh, compared to the political relationship uh, uh, between uh, uh, the president and the, uh, and the, and the leaders uh, in the region. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, 
I hope that responds uh, to the question, although I didn't hear about the specific uh, equipment that you were referring to. Um, Ollie, any final thoughts that you'd like to offer? Um, I'm trying to think if there's something that we haven't uh, that, that we haven't covered that would be uh, uh, useful uh, in, in closing. Um, you know, we haven't talked about uh, economics, and so let me just say a, a couple words uh, about that, uh, particularly because uh, Secretary Kerry has uh, recently acknowledged uh, the the intention of having a, a strategic dialogue on economic. Uh, cooperation, particularly on on the job creation front, um, uh, the, the the Gulf is undergoing obviously um, interesting uh, an interesting transition. Um, uh, as I say, uh, they are undergoing a, a cyclical moment um, uh, in uh, their their uh, their fiscal fortunes because of the low uh, revenues from oil. Uh, I believe that they are. Um, using this, and I mean this, uh, both uh, the UAE uh, and Saudi, uh, and, and and perhaps even outside the, the Gulf, if you look to uh, to Egypt and some of their uh, intended economic reforms, uh, as a as an opportunity uh, to actually make some of the tough reform decisions uh, that have been long delayed uh, over um, uh, the the last many years, and, and in fact uh, decades. We've already seen that with. Uh, the uh, introduction of, uh, of, of that tax, um, uh, we've already seen that with the easing of, uh, of subsidies in, um, in the UAE and, uh, and Saudi Arabia. Uh, we've seen some measure of, of political support for doing so, uh, particularly uh, given that uh, cheap uh, energy, electricity and, and gasoline in Saudi Arabia has almost been seen as a birthright. Um, and uh, they have taken the increase in prices um, uh, surprisingly in stride. So uh, between that and the National Transformation Plan in Saudi, uh, uh, of whom I've spoken to many people who have been uh, consulting on that or are uh, Saudi officials that have uh, provided input into those uh, very participative, uh, participatory uh, processes, um, there is a sense that uh, for the first time in a, in a while, uh, some of our friends in the Gulf are being more clear-eyed about the financial challenges that they're facing uh, and trying to um, make some of the needed structural changes, um, the reductions in, uh, in some of the uh, fiscal um, um, uh, uh, overspend. Uh, and shedding some of the, uh, to some extent, some of the bad behaviors of uh, populations because of the aberrations that occur in the marketplace, uh, because of this uh, uh, this uh, excess liquidity, um, to to really uh, imagine uh, the economy of the future, um, and hopefully put policies in place in that regard. Um, we're seeing that uh, quite actively right now in Saudi Arabia uh, through uh, the Deputy Crown Prince's uh, couple of, uh, of very public and notable interviews um, and uh, the, the preview of the unveiling of some of the uh, initiatives to come. Uh, I was very encouraged to see that uh, the United States 
uh, is going to uh, make an attempt to support these efforts. Um, and uh, I think that that will likely be a part of the summit um, and the ongoing conversation that is underappreciated, um, but uh, deeply important uh, that we do what we can um, within reason uh, to help mitigate the execution and implementation risk that these countries will face in actually implementing these, uh, these new programs. That's an excellent closing thought. Uh, unfortunately, we've reached the end of our allotted time for the call, but on behalf of Barry Pavel, I want to take this opportunity to thank Ambassador Khalil Zad, Mr. Ali Tulba, and all of you for taking the time out of your day to join us this morning for the discussion. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. This concludes today's presentation. You may disconnect at this time.